1.4 million people filed for unemployment last week as the Senate tries to pass an extension of unemployment benefits. Surprise! Taylor Swift is dropping a new album at midnight. And we're joined by the RuPaul Drag Race winner and star of HBO Max series, We're Here, Bob the Drag Queen. The date, July 23rd, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hey friends, I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to News O'Clock. Okay, we have a lot to get through today, so let's just go ahead and dive into today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. Unemployment claims were higher than the previous week for the first time since March. 1.4 million Americans filed for unemployment benefits for the first time last week. Most observers thought it'd be closer to the previous week's 1.3 million. The rise is a worrying sign that even as some businesses begin to reopen and bring back on furloughed staffers around the country, others are shutting down entirely, changing those furloughs into layoffs. Senate Republicans had planned to roll out a new $1 trillion coronavirus relief package this morning that would, among other things, include new funding for unemployment benefits that are set to expire in a few days. But they had to cancel at the last second after failing to come to an agreement with the White House, or their own caucus for that matter, over the scope of the bill. And that's before they've even begun negotiating with Democrats in the House. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi has already shot down the White House's idea of a piecemeal set of proposals on unemployment benefits, aid for schools, and funding for testing. President Trump, meanwhile, has said more federal law enforcement is being deployed to major cities, despite local leaders saying it's not necessary. In the Oval Office last night, Trump said that hundreds of federal officers from the FBI, U.S. Marshals, and Department of Homeland Security will be deployed to Chicago and Albuquerque, New Mexico, to stop what the administration has dubbed a new wave of violent crime in those cities. Attorney General Bill Barr said yesterday that Operation Legend, as the mission is called, had already led to more than 200 arrests in Kansas City, Missouri. But the Kansas City Star was unable to confirm that number. Instead, only one arrest has taken place connected with the operation launched there this month. The Justice Department later clarified that 200 people had been arrested, but since December and in joint operations between the state and FBI. Barr also said that this new surge in deployed officers was different from what's happening in Portland, where the feds have been since the beginning of this month. Officers there are meant to protect federal property and monuments, and last night they spent another evening lobbing cans of tear gas at protesters. But this time, Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler was caught in the wave. And earlier this week, we told you about President Trump bragging about a cognitive test on Fox News. Well, folks, he did it again. And this time was even weirder. The first questions are very easy. The last questions are much more difficult, uh, like a memory question. It's uh, like you'll go person, woman, man, camera, TV. So they say, could you repeat that? So I said, yeah. So it's person, woman, man, camera, TV. Okay, that's very good. If you get it in order, you get extra points. That went on for another minute and a half. The clip quickly went viral on Twitter as people wondered, okay, but why are we doing this? According to the Washington Post, it's because in the middle of a campaign meeting last month, Trump remembered that he'd taken this exam and decided it would be a great weapon to use against former Vice President Joe Biden. Trump is trying to argue that Biden would never be able to pass this very difficult test, an argument that has confused medical experts, including the person who invented the Montreal Cognitive Test. The test 
counter to what the president seems to believe, is not meant to measure intelligence or IQ. Instead, it's usually administered to see if a patient has early signs of dementia or other mental deterioration. So the perfect score he's bragging about only means he doesn't have those symptoms. The Biden campaign, for their part, has completely dismissed the president's challenge, telling the Post, quote, the only testing Donald Trump should be focused on is the kind we need to get the COVID-19 crisis under control. And he is really hell-bent on talking about this test. It really is. And it's so (laughs) confusing, Casey. I just don't get it. I don't know how we can watch the playback and think, yep, winning argument right here. I did so well naming these five words in order and getting those sweet, sweet bonus points that I'm going to win the election off of this. Okay, all I want to say is that if listeners are as confused As medical experts are, then head on over to BuzzFeed.com and you can take our quiz titled, Here's a Version of the Cognitive Test Donald Trump Quote-Unquote Aced. Can you get a 13 out of 13? So Mm. you go ahead and you see if you can pass this extremely difficult test. (laughs) Good luck, everyone. And jumping back to the federal officers really quickly, uh, yeah, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she's so not a fan of this. Mm. The president's tried to say, like, oh, this is just political. The only reason you don't want these officers in there trying to help you uh, stem your gun violence and just violence in general is because it's political. Lightfoot put out a statement saying that the president has been on a campaign now for some time against Democratic mayors across the country. The president is trying to divert attention from his failed leadership on COVID-19. So... Pew, pew. Shots fired right back. It's I don't know where this whole thing is going right now, but the pushback from these mayors and local officials is really interesting to see, given how that used to be the Republican position, that federal governments can't really override local governments. So where this is going, question mark, question mark, question mark. Mm, Yeah. Casey, I haven't really had time to get the deets, but from what I've seen, I'm pretty sure the pop culture world is exploding today. Oh, it is. is. A lot is going on. Uh, A a lot from pop stars specifically. First up, Demi Lovato is engaged. I'm so happy for her. Um, The former Disney star and her boyfriend, excuse me, fiance, Max Ehrlich, (laughs) made the announcement in a pair of matching Instagram posts this morning. In her caption, Lovato said, quote, I knew I loved you the moment I met you. It was something I can't describe to anyone who hasn't experienced it firsthand, but luckily you did too. Ehrlich's caption read, quote, every love song, every film, every lyric, every poem, everything I could have ever dreamed of and then some in a partner in life. The two of them have been dating since March, a fact they accidentally revealed when Lovato stepped into Ehrlich's live stream without realizing the camera was on. Hilarious video. I highly suggest watching it. Since then, they've been all about showing love for each other on the internet, and now she's got a giant engagement ring to show off to. Hayes, I cannot emphasize how gigantic the ring is. It looked heavy. That's how big (laughs) it was. It looked like it would literally weigh down one's hand Mm -hmm. when trying to raise it. Mm -hmm. I, like, gasped. Okay, and this is a big one. Taylor Swift dropped a huge bombshell on us, announcing that her eighth studio album will be released at midnight tonight. Swift posted the news on Instagram, saying that the album will be called Folklore and have 16 brand new tracks for Swifties to obsess over. In her post, Swift said that she normally would have obsessed over exactly when to drop this album, but basically decided, F it, life is too short. Or as she put it, quote, my gut is telling me that if you make something you love, you should just put it out into the world. 
11 of the songs on the album are actually produced by the Nationals' Aaron Desner, who said that they've only been working on this album since April. And if that weren't enough, Swift also said that she's dropping a self-made music video for the song Cardigan off the album at midnight as well. So if you're online then, freaking brace yourself. The Swift army is uh, swift and merciless, and I'm... I'm I'm excited for them. I'm very curious to see what this new sound from her will sound like. It sounds much more gentle, I think, than what she's been doing. Definitely. If it, if it's named something like folklore, I mean, I think I think we can imagine. I'm where hearing this a lot going. of soft acoustic guitar. That's what I'm picturing right now. <laughs> Okay, so meanwhile, some of your favorite YouTube stars got called out for all attending a surprise party in the middle of a pandemic. Yesterday, YouTuber Nikita Dragon posted a video on Instagram showing off the party that she threw for fellow vlogger Loray to celebrate his 22nd birthday. And uh, based on the video, that party would have been considered wild even pre-COVID. The party was held in a mansion called the Hype House, where a bunch of Gen Zers live together to make TikToks. And YouTubers James Charles, Tana Mojo, and Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio were there to party. Not in attendance, mass, or literally any social distancing. (laughs) YouTube star Tyler Oakley wasn't there and was also not a fan, posting on Twitter, quote, If your favorite influencers are at huge house parties during a pandemic and are dumb enough to post it on social media, they are bad influences. Unfollow them. Oakley then actually called them out on it directly on Twitter, tagging several of the attendees. Lorraine later responded apologizing, saying, quote, it was a dumb thing to do. I will do better and will actually take this shit seriously. I mean, good. A little late, but good. I like the I like the growth. I like the sentiment there. But wow, it's like I like the sentiment, but I'm like, come on, you you knew what you were doing while you were doing it, that it was wrong. So it was just like, exactly like it's not like it's like, oh, this is the first week of the stay at home order or the pandemic. We don't really know what the rules are. It's like it's very clear what the rules are. They all made a decision and a choice. And I am with Tyler Oakley on that where it's like it's wild. It's like, okay, if some of them aren't going to follow the rules, I know there are people out there who aren't following the rules and Mm -hmm. they're not. Not taking photos of it but these people who have so many fans the right. fact that they like then were like posted about it that's wild to me also uh really quickly i had no idea that anything called the hype house existed until this moment <laughs> and i kind of hate it like what how is that real it, it exists there are many articles about it i highly suggest Hayes and everyone else read about it it is it, it exists mm, it's real i I disagree with this reality. I don't like it. It's bad. (laughs) When we come back, we're joined by the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race and star of HBO Max series, We're Here, Bob the Drag Queen. Stay right there. It. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com 2022. 
Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay We fight for the people cause they got us in the worst way From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye From the left enclave to what the neocons say Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation And break us off with some bread cause we waiting on reparations Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts It's time to gear up for the NFL postseason. Yes, sir! Head over to NFLshop.com today for the largest assortment of officially licensed gear. I need it! NFL Shop is your destination for jerseys, T-shirts, headwear, and more. Oh, you're sweet with it! Come back after the game for the best selection of NFL gear anywhere. How you like that, baby? Rep your team pride with styles fit for the whole family. To shop now, go to NFLshop.com. Welcome back. You might know her from her stand-up special, Suspiciously Large Woman. You may recognize her as the winner of the eighth season of RuPaul's Drag Race. He stars alongside Drag Race alumna Eureka and Shangela in the HBO series, We're Here. We're honestly just thrilled to be joined by Bob the Drag Queen. Good afternoon, Bob. Hi, how are you all? Great. So on the show, you, Eureka, and Shangela visit small towns, mostly in the American South, and you adopt some local first-timers to put on a drag show. You're from Columbus, Georgia. Did any of these towns remind you of home? Um, well, to be fair, they're not, they're not most. And we do, we do, well, it also depends on what people consider the South. So we do Twin mm-hmm. Falls, Idaho, Branson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of um, Southerners who wouldn't call Branson, Missouri <laughs> the South. Um, but they but say Missouri, so I'm pretty Missouri. sure they're the South. <laughs> but we do go to Ruston, Louisiana, and uh, Spartanburg, North Carolina as well. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, uh, I mean, I don't know if they necessarily reminded me of home because, of course, everyone has these ideas of these small towns, but then there's their small town. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like people who have the ideas of, like, what a Trump supporter is, but then there's also, like, but my parents, were, but they're different Trump supporters. <laughs> mm, I see you. Like, oh, but they're different. They're not, like, your nasty Trump-supporting parents. By the way, for the record, my mom did not support Trump. Um, but... So it, it doesn't remind me of my own hometown because I see, you know, I have a much more nuanced view of Columbus, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Mm. On the show, um, there's a lot of fear and judgment in these areas, uh, especially before the drag shows. How does that compare to what you experienced in your journey to drag? Well, I started drag here in New York City. I'm mm-hmm. in Manhattan right now, to those of you listening. Um, Same. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> where, where are you in Manhattan? East Harlem. East Harlem. I'm in Washington Heights. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> um, well, Casey, we have to ask, where are you? Oh, I'm in Los Angeles. Los Angeles. All right. Well, I mean, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. <laughs> um, we, uh, so, you know, my, I was really surrounded by lots of amazing queer people, specifically in the queer nightlife scene. I don't even, I don't, I really don't even have that many friends who identify as straight, to be honest, or not queer at least. Um, and, but also when I came to these towns, I realized that they also had these microcosms of that as well. Like in Twin Falls, there is a vibrant, small, but still a vibrant drag community happening in Twin Falls, Idaho. 
So it's not just the drag show in We're Here. There are so many emotional, heartfelt scenes between friends and family members. Some of the people are having confrontations, for instance, about hardship they faced when they came out. Some are having loving conversations about how grateful they are for the support system. Had you ever been part of something like that before with this much like emotion on display and you having to help people process it? Uh, I don't know. A lot of people don't really bear. I mean, well, I will say this being a, a drag race girl, a lot of people do come up to you and bear their souls to you because they feel like you're, you had a, a hand in their happiness. And I mean, I can acknowledge that maybe I somehow encourage happiness, but I, I also like people to take, you know, ownership of their own joy. So yeah, I've had people like tell me in, intense or intimate things, um, before being on, uh, we're here. Um, there are also a lot of personal transformations on the show. Were you surprised by any of them or was there one that just really impacted you the most? Well, the one that came to me a lot was, uh, Tanner in Branson, Missouri, who was struggling with his, uh, queer identity and his Christian identity. And he seems to really figure it out. And if you go on his, um, Instagram now, she's as gay as the day is long (laughs) and also seems a lot happier than mm. he was when when I was there. Like, mm. he, just, he seems to have really figured, figured himself out. So shifting gears, uh, your season was actually the first full season of RuPaul's Drag Race that I watched through as it aired, and I was high-key thrilled that you took the crown. Oh, thank, me too. Right? <laughs> me too. I gotta ask, though, what was your favorite dumb purchase that you made after winning the $100,000? Oh, you know, I'm really not terribly frivolous, so I don't have like a bunch of like silly purchases. But there's got to be at least one that's like, all right, I got the cash. I'm, I'm throwing it at this. I normally would not, but. <laughs> so we were out shopping one day and I, I carry a fanny pack a lot. I either carry a purse or I carry a fanny pack every day. And uh, I was buying really cheap fanny packs, like really, really cheap fanny packs. For the nylon suckers that will fall apart. Just like, like, yeah. like $2, like really cheap, mm. really cheap shit. And then I was out shopping with Asia O'Hara and Kim Chi. They're like, you need a designer bag. And I was like, I'm just not that girl. I hear you, but that's not me. Um, anyway, they convinced me to in one day buy a Burberry fanny pack and mm. a uh, Versace backpack. Um, so I, so those are probably my two of my most ridiculous. This is my, um, my, my fanny pack here that I carry all around a lot. She is beautiful. (laughs) So you're a New York queen where the pandemic hit first and hardest. How's the drag community been coping with quarantine? Um, The answer is, um, they've been adapting, but it's, it's not great. I mean, one of our bars just announced today that it is well a few of our bars, announced they weren't closing. One of our big drag bars announced it is closing the stores forever. There's a bar called Therapy here in New York City mm. that has announced that it will not be reopening after. And that really hit a lot of us. I mean, I got, I, I did, I used to do shows at Therapy. I worked there for, I think, three years. Um, and a lot of my friends worked there and they, they hire a lot of drag queens. So I'm starting to wonder like how we're going to come out on the other side of this. Yeah, there's uh, even in L.A. recently, um, I'm a queer woman and one of our places has two monthly dance uh, shows that they put on. That's being closed because they can't have that dance space anymore because of coronavirus. And it really it was actually it really impacted so many people emotionally because they didn't realize, and myself included, how much it means to that queer community to have that space. Especially uh, in, in, for queer women, there's there's 
uh, queer men love to party and will do it really often. <laughs> um, and in the, the queer woman space, there's probably tends to be like a party here called a hot rabbit in, um, in New York city. that throws like a monthly or bi-monthly uh, dance party. Whereas gay guys are like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday, <laughs> Friday, <laughs> Saturday, um, we dance and on Sunday we go out, but instead we just do karaoke. Um, <laughs> Because the girl's got to rest. Um, <laughs> so I can understand how impactful that could be. Mm. So one of the things that, uh, you know, the drag community has been doing, uh, trying to adapt, has been doing a bunch of videos on Instagram and YouTube. Yeah, and I know I've you've been, been, been doing that. <laughs> you've been doing that with some of your fellow former drag racers. And in one of them in particular, you're Ooh. talking with season nine runner-up Peppermint, and you bring up a certain article about RuPaul owning property out in Wyoming. Did you see that article from Instinct Magazine? Oh, the fracking? No, no, not that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I remember. So, uh, did you ever get a response from uh, Mr. Charles or World of Wonder about that? Just curious, out of curiosity. Was... Well, I mean, RuPaul and I don't talk a lot. <laughs> um, really? You don't, don't yeah. chat on the phone often? And RuPaul's gone, like, uh, gone blank on social media altogether. I mean, I don't mm. know. I don't know what's going on with RuPaul. I know RuPaul deleted his Twitter and all the content from his um, Instagram. And I mean, I hope everything's going fine. I, I, I really hope that um, he's doing well. Fair enough. I, I tried to get you to spill some tea and instead you took a <laughs> loving sip of it. And you know what, Bob? That's why you're a queen. <laughs> oh, before we go, I want to quickly oh, yeah. talk about something. Hit yes. me. What do you got? I'm, I'm using my platform to uh, talk about Black trans lives matter as much as possible. Mm. So I would like mm. to take a, just a short moment to discuss um, the Black trans lives matter movement with you all, if you don't mind. Yes, definitely. Well, I've been talking, so me and Peppermint, my, um, my, uh, my fracking sister, um, <laughs> we, we were basically calling each other and having these long discussions about like being black and being queer. And she would tell me about being a trans femme. And I, and I would talk to her about being non-binary. And we created this thing called Black Queer Town Hall, which I would love to encourage everyone to go check it out. And I've just been trying to challenge people, especially, um, cis men especially black cis straight men to engage in the trans lives matter discussion it's been really on my mind a lot lately because it's it's one thing to hear me say it or to hear a a black trans woman say it or to hear like lady gaga say it but we need to hear like uh lil wayne jay-z um we need to have waka flock of flame Wiz khalifa we need to have like we need to have these people who have reach and access to other black cis straight men talk about the validity of black trans women right we need Dwayne wade to have some company out here <laughs> yeah Dwayne wade is on a lonely island right now and it's only because he has a trans daughter and you shouldn't have to be that close to transness to acknowledge that the lives of trans people matter absolutely you know what i mean I do. How has this message, uh, what's the response you've gotten so far? Well, I live in a vacuum. So everyone around me is like, girl, work. Of course they matter. Yes, they do. Um, but I'm sure if you step outside of that, it, it changes a lot. I mean, I got my first taste of that when HBO tweeted out the trailer for We're Here. Because I see things on my side. Everyone's like, work, slay, mama, yes. You know what I mean? Um, but of course, when HBO does not have a an exclusively or predominantly queer fan base, so I got a rude, rude awakening. I was like, "These people are," ne-, but there are people out there who still think like this, and we need to we need to access them, right? Because 
it is truly a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Anyway. No, it is. And I agree with that. I think um, now's the time to have our straight allies and more importantly, our straight advocates being out there to uh, to talk about how these issues are just issues that queer people should be talking about. You know, and I want to thank Dwayne Wade and um, Gabrielle Union. And I'm, I'm sure Gabrielle Union has a lot to do with why Dwayne Wade is on such a, is on the up and up. She really holds people accountable. And I, I love that about her. And um Anyway, um, like, I just want to say, like, we need more Gabrielle Unions, more Dwayne Wade's out there in the world standing up for not just queer people and their family, but, like, uh, outside of that as well. Like, imagine if you gave the random person on the street the same care, love, nuance, and, you know, space that you give the people in your family. Mm -hmm. Mm. Definitely. That is so important and you know what bob thank you for sharing that with us and thank you for being with us today this has been a great conversation my pleasure thank you y'all be well that's it for today and we'll make another episode for you again tomorrow so join us then too and remember person woman man camera tv boom nailed it be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. We've got some pretty nice comments lately, so keep them coming. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. If dog people made dog food, it wouldn't be sold in a 50-pound bag in the hardware aisle by the shoe polish. It would actually be food. It would be made with real, fresh meat and veggies gently cooked to preserve their nutritional value. You know, like food. The Farmer's Dog was created by dog people who cook and deliver fresh, healthy food. Try the Farmer's Dog and get fresh, pre-portioned meals tailored to your dog's needs. Tell us about your dog, build your plan, and get 50% off at thefarmersdog.com slash listen. That's thefarmersdog.com slash listen. Hello, hello. Hey, I don't know if you heard, but my podcast, Checking In, has been nominated for the NAACP Image Award in the category of Outstanding Lifestyle and Self-Help Podcast. I'm grateful for the nomination. I, I almost didn't even do a podcast because I was just wondering, there are thousands of podcasts out there and why is my voice needed? But a nomination from the NAACP lets me know that um, I made the right choice. And I encourage you to do, don't worry if there are thousands of something out that you want to do. No, Nobody has your sauce. So listen, you can still vote. Go to vote.naacpimageawards.net. You have until February 5th, um, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And please listen to my podcast. We're a part of the Black Effect Podcast Network on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for checking in. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God, I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey everybody, Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me. Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played Chuck Bass. Is this Michelle Trachtenberg? I'll never tell. Hey, I'm Taylor Momsen, and I played Jenny Humphrey. Hi, I'm Sebastian Stan, and I played Carter Payson. 
that was one of the reasons I liked the character Jenny so much is that she was very relatable. The whole thing was such a joy for me to do. And I was just so thankful that people responded the way they did to what we were doing. This really was just like wonderful. I like have like warm feelings inside. Yeah, me too. I'm giving you air hugs. Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.